and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside another episode of Garage Door Sports. We're now on week 14. Yes, week 14. We've done pretty well so far. Your host here, Nick McVicker, as always. Unfortunately, Justin couldn't make it today. He uh, has some birthday celebrations to do as his birthday is tomorrow. We decided to give him another week off. We thought that was a good idea, so we called in some more reinforcements. Joining us once again from Ireland, our good buddy Kyle Vardy. How you doing, Kyle? I'm doing great. Semester's winding down and almost time to come back home. Yeah, we can't wait for you to come back home, man. We miss you over here. <laughs> All right, well, why don't we get right into it? Let's start with, uh, let's talk some MLB to start off. I know it's the middle of December, but hey, why not? Two big stories coming out of the MLB. Giancarlo Stanton's alleged sweepstakes, we'll call it, and the Shohei Otani major sweepstakes. Let's start with Otani, as this week we've got some news that he is now limited his search to only seven teams. It's an interesting list. The seven clubs remaining are the San Francisco Giants, the Los Angeles Angels, the Chicago Cubs, Los Angeles Dodgers, the Seattle Mariners, the San Diego Padres, and the Texas Rangers. He spurned the New York Yankees. He spurned the Boston Red Sox. And yes, Jays fans, unfortunately, he will not be pulling on the Blue Jays uniform this year. But what do you make of that list of seven teams there, Kyle? Um, well, it's, it's basically what, what they said was the two rumors was that he wanted a small market and that he wanted to be on the West Coast. Um, there's only a couple teams that fit the West Coast um, and then obviously the smaller markets. Um, as of, from what I've heard, uh, from like, I think it's fan rag sports, uh, the article saying that the Padres are actually the, the leaders right now, um, to sign him. Obviously that kind of fits the, the tiny mentality for yeah. sure. Um, he'd be kind of out of the view. He can strive, you know, in San Diego, they're a rebuilding team. Yep. Um, whether or not, you know, that, that's kind of a, you know, San Diego hasn't really been a, a focus point in the MLB for a while, but the cameras are going to be on him because of how big of a sensation he is no matter where he goes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I think one of the interesting ones would be um, actually Texas, um, hearing that they're a big player as well. Yeah. So they, they won the Darvish uh, sweepstakes, and he, he worked out well for them. Yeah, until um, they needed him, needed to get rid of him. So exactly. So see, maybe maybe they can replace Darvish with Otani and you know younger version of Darvish essentially. Yeah, I I think it'll be interesting. I mean, the Padres are an interesting team. I think one of the reasons that he does feel a little bit more comfortable with them is that he's been at their spring training facility the last two uh, off seasons which I think that comfort level is a huge thing for a player like Otani who said he doesn't want to go to a big market because he's worried, I guess. Like, he, he doesn't want to be the face of a big market. He wants to be the face of a small market and build his way up to that. So Padres makes sense. If that's, if that's what he's going for, that makes sense. Whether or not that's the yeah. reality, it'll be interesting. Also, you look at, you know, Petco Park is more of a pitcher's park too, which – could be a calling card as well. Yeah, that could be a huge thing for him. I mean, you're, you're looking at a guy who 
is a two-way player, like a very, very good two-way player. So mm-hmm. who's to say that maybe, you know what, it's it's a possibility. It totally is a possibility. Well, then you look at, they've already tried a two-way player as well. They used, um, oh, what's his name? I think it was Christian Betancourt. Yeah, Betancourt. Yeah, it was yeah, a pitcher and a catcher. So, um, A little bit of a different two-way player, though. No, absolutely. But, you know, at least they've kind of experienced it. So yeah. maybe that's leaning more. Otani be like, well, they've tried it before. They can do it with me. Because the other thing with certain teams is that they may not use them as a two-way player. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you look at the MLB lately. There's actually been a couple two-way players to try to break out. Uh, Betancourt being one, but he was a catcher first and then turned into a two-way player trying to do pitching. Another one you can think of is a uh, former Blue Jay, Anthony Ghost, right? He tried right. the uh, pitching thing last year. Yeah, and that didn't work out too well. But... Oh, in the minors, he actually pitched okay. I mean, he didn't make it up to the majors yet, but he's still young. He could still do it. Is this going to be a trend going forward? A lot of multi-use players coming into the MLB. Uh, I, I think it, I think it could be. You look at Hunter Green with Cincinnati. Like, what are they going to do with him? Are they going to be letting him play both ways, or is he going to be purely a pitcher? I know they said they want to use him as a pitcher, but you know, why not let him experience with the bat too? Yeah, I mean, it's possible, and he's he's good enough to do it. I think. So why not? Uh, absolutely, and I think. Honestly, I think with the Sotani thing, it's going to come down in the next, I'll probably say three to five days when he's going to sign. It's it's bound to happen. Yeah. Uh, apparently, apparently he's meeting with teams this week. He's, uh, I think he's already met with one team. Um, he met with the Dodgers yesterday. Yeah. So, honestly, we'll, we'll see in the next couple of days for sure where yeah. he ends up. Yeah, and it could be interesting, like, I think these meetings are very interesting because he has seven clubs that he's meeting with. I think he's going to get through all seven and then make his decision. I don't think he's going to be one of those guys where he gets through like three and then it's like, ah, never mind. I'm not listening to the rest of you. I've made my decision. I think he's going to listen to them all. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, if if I can be so bold, I think there's a few teams that are out on him right now, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think the Angels are out. Um, I think the Cubs are out as well, to be honest. It'd be um, an interesting fit in the Cubs, though. It would be a very interesting fit. The thing is, the Cubs only can offer him 300000 Yeah. But that's also with the Padres. That's the one thing that might hold him back, is they can only offer him that. Well, the I don't Dodgers, think... The Dodgers, the Cubs, based and the off Padres of, can only offer him 300000 But based off of the fact that he spurned some of the bigger clubs, I'm not sure money's his big priority right now. No, he, he is young, and obviously he's going to establish himself, so he doesn't care about the money as, as the second. Yeah. But I can see, you know, Seattle being an opportunity for him. You know, he's on the West Coast. Um, it, it's, it's a bigger opportunity. They're an up-and-coming team as well, contending. they got Seager out there. and Yeah. Right? Cano, Cruz. And they're also, they also have a very big um, Southeast Asian influence in Seattle, so. Well, and then you look right above Vancouver, too. That's that's huge up there as well. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, it is a possibility. I'm just a little surprised that he did spurn some of the bigger clubs because he can make more with them, but he's decided that these are the seven and he's going to go with it. So. Well, I, I think I think the first, like, foremost, was that he did not want to be in a large market. Yeah. And I think that's 
that's what kind of turned him away at first. Obviously, I think the money was a big thing that he kind of uh, left off the table and didn't really care about. Yeah. Um, but now that he's down to the seven that fit his his terms, I think he might look at the money aspect now. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I think we'll have a, we'll hopefully have a decision in the next uh, week or so. I believe we will, but I'm interested to see where he lands. Moving on to the other big MLB story is uh, Giancarlo Stanton. The Giant, or sorry, let me correct that. The Marlins have been in contact with probably every team in the league, and they've narrowed it down to two deals that they are okay with. Now they're waiting to see if Stanton has a- approved either of them. But the two right. teams are the Giants and the Cardinals. You think neither deal will go through? Why? I just I don't think either teams I don't think either deal is going to go through. Sorry, um, just because I don't think Stanton wants to go to either one of those teams, and for Stanton he might even be better off waiting until you know at the deadline that some like you know trade deadline obviously that somebody might want to you know pick him up. I think ultimately that Miami is going to get anxious before the season. And I think the Dodgers are going to sweep in with a low ball offer because Stanton wants to go to LA. Yeah. And I think I think that they could ultimately ultimately steal him for with a low ball offer, rather than the Giants and uh, Cardinals with their uh, their trade packages that they've already sent in. So. Yeah, and that's the one thing that they've been saying all along is that his preferred destination would be to go to the Dodgers, which unless they're giving up a whole lot of their outfield prospects. Do they even have room? Uh, with the Dodgers, they always have room. No, uh, I'm not. I'm not only... talking about money wise. No, but but to be honest, that is the problem. Is the money wise? Because if you take on his contract and they're already at two hundred plus million for their yeah, you know their their contracts. Yeah, but they don't care about money. That's the issue. No, but you're looking at huge luxury. Yeah, but they they seriously don't care. No, absolutely. Um, I think I think they they do have the prospects for sure to do the deal. Um, it's really a matter of, you know, what does Miami want? Yeah. And obviously, you got you got to look at some certain players that maybe Miami will have to take back to offset some of those costs. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I saw an interesting little thing uh, this morning that part of the St. Louis deal is they're thinking about sending Waka. Interesting. I can't see Stanton agreeing to that because you'd think he'd want to go to a team with with a good player like Waka being there, not being traded for him. Yeah, you you would think. Um, to, to be honest, I don't know if really that makes sense for St. Louis. Like, yeah, they have Alex Reyes, but he's not coming back anytime soon from Tommy John. Um, he won't be ready until probably midway through the season. Yeah. Um, and then they have some up and coming prospects. I figured they would be in there rather than um, Waka. But yeah, no. To me, if that's if that's the case, then Stanton would definitely put a big X on that trade. That's what I thought too. But apparently, it's it's part of the deal, and I I'm just surprised. No, absolutely. And then you know, I just I don't get it. Um, to be honest, I just really don't. And like looking at like the Giants' proposed deal, it's like Joe Panic and top two prospects. I don't even know if that's enough to get Stanton. To be honest, no. It's 
almost not worth it at if, that if, point. If that's what the Giants are offering, why are more teams not going in with, you know, throwing a couple extra prospects with a better player? And Yeah, come on, Toronto. Get it together. Well, uh, don't even get me started about that. I, I would trade an arm and a leg to see him hit home runs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, or, I'm interested to see where both these guys end up, right? They, it, it could change the entire West Coast or the Western divisions oh, in no. the MLB. Yeah, so. it, it could have huge implications for mm-hmm. the future of, of, of certain teams for sure. Yeah. So we'll move on from the MLB. I think that's – we should uh, should limit our MLB talk in the middle of December, eh? Yeah, exactly. So let's move on to the sport that's, you know, supposed to be played in the middle of winter, NHL. Talk some hockey here. And uh, we were talking off air about goaltending and how this year has been a very interesting year for goalies. If I told you at at the beginning of the year to bet on one goalie to lead the league in save percentage and goals against average by playing more than 10 games at the 27-game mark, would you have picked Aaron Dell? Uh, not by a long shot. Would you have picked Andre Vasilevsky? He would have been in my top, top 10, not my number one, though. Yeah. Those two are the two leaders in save percentage. Yeah. That's, uh, that, uh, there's a reason why I banked on Vasilevsky rather than Bishop. They, uh, they clearly knew that they had something special yeah. in Vasilevsky. And uh, they all made us look foolish by us ever doubting that Vasilevsky was the, the future. Yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable. And it's amazing to see what the difference that a good goaltender can make for a team. Like, we were talking, we wanted to talk about uh, Talbot and Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. We both think he's a good goalie. Yep. But he's a good goalie. He's not a great goalie. He's not an elite goalie. And yeah, I put he's... I put out a name, Corey Crawford. I think he's behind Corey Crawford. A lot of people don't see yeah. Crawford as elite. But Crawford so far this year has a 930 save percentage and a 229 go- goals against. Yep. That's I, I, pretty I, good. I would, agree. I would completely agree, to be honest. And we, everyone, I think, has underlooked Crawford's ability because he plays on Chicago, who have had stout defenses. But Crawford's a really good goalie. But I still, he I is. don't even call him elite. No, but then obviously he's he's carried them for a while, and there's a reason why they've won cups with him. You know, you you can't just necessarily win a Stanley Cup with a ragtag goalie in the in the net. No, but he does have. He does. He's a quality goaltender. Is he elite? I would not say so. And that's my question. Yeah. Coming into this season, who would you have called elite? Uh, I'll give. Well, I'll give you my top five. Okay. My top five coming into the season. Coming into the season, not right now. Coming into the season. Coming into the season, I would have had Holtby. Okay. Price. Okay. Quick. Okay. Um. After that. Probably um, Lundqvist, I would say. Okay. And then Bobrovsky would be my top five. Okay. And I'm totally okay with that. 
I think my top five coming into this season would have been Price, Holtby, Rask, Lundqvist, Bobrovsky. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. No no quick in there? No. I like quick. I think those five coming into the season were supposed to be better than quick. He's had a great right. year. I like him. I just, out of my, if I was going my top five at the beginning of the year, it would have been those five. He would have been probably yeah. six or seven. The reason why I chose Quick over Rask was like if I had to choose one goalie that I would rely on in the playoffs, fair. I would choose Quick. I would choose Quick over Rask. Fair. Okay, let's let's extend this to ten goalies then. Top ten goalies yeah. in the NHL. Would you throw in Dubnik? Uh, I would. Okay, Rene. Yeah, Rene, yeah. however you want to say his name. Uh, would you put Craig Anderson? Okay. Would you put Varlamov, despite the fact that he plays on Colorado? Uh, I I never really viewed Varlamov as a, a great goaltender. Okay. Um, I viewed him as a good goaltender. Um, so in the same category that we put Crawford and um, Talbot. I would say even like a, a lesser extent. I would say probably before the season, I had him more where Mike Smith, um, Halak, Jimmy Howard type of thing. Okay. Where they're good goaltenders, but they're not going to carry your team. That's fair. Um, like early early in the season, Varlamov was carrying. He was carrying Colorado. Yeah, I think like, I think Varlamov is just a little bit better than those guys because he has the ability to carry. He just can't carry for a full season. No, absolutely. I don't watch Colorado enough to really know that. But that's just, in my I do. opinion, I never viewed him as that. Don't worry, I do. I got you, bro. <laughs> I also never viewed, like, Hellebuck, I never viewed him as an elite goaltender with 15 wins in the season. No, and I don't think anyone viewed him as an elite goaltender coming into this year. I think he belongs to that young group of goalies that we think could be elite, but just aren't there yet, and or are about to be there. And that's like Vasilevsky, I would put in that category. I would put Hellebuck. Yeah. I would put possibly Freddie Anderson. Jake yeah, he's, Allen. He's getting up there. Um, yeah. Matt Murray. Yeah. Like, I, I don't see how you say any of those guys don't have the opportunity to be elite. No, absolutely. And they, they all have the opportunity. You know, you look at others like Martin Jones and John Gibson, too. Like, those two fit right in there. Yeah. They have the opportunity and they have the talent to be that elite goaltender. Yeah. They just haven't taken that next step to get above being a good, great goaltender to being elite. And people view you as, okay, now we have to figure out how to beat him. Yeah. They're not there yet, but they're they're almost there. They are very close. Uh, Tristan Jari from Pittsburgh as well could get there eventually. Yeah, it'll be interesting. There, Pittsburgh might have another goaltending uh, controversy coming up real fast. Um, even if you look at Vegas, I know they've gone through four goalies this year, but they have two young goalies who look to be pretty good in uh, Malcolm Subban and Oscar Dansk. Yeah, uh, I, I think Flurry's going to be Flurry's probably going to have one more year. Yeah, well, depending on when he gets back. 
Yeah, but I mean, he's gonna have one more year basically to be the starter. Yeah. I think. And then, as soon as I think it'll be up for debate, really, and it's gonna be a competition, obviously. Yeah. Whether it is Subban or Dansk, either one, the other one's gonna be probably the backup. So. Well, let's play this game. Subban's played in. He started seven games. He's got five wins, a nine twenty-six save percentage, and a two nineteen goals against. Dansk right. has started three games, won all three games with a nine forty-six save percentage and a one seventy-eight goals against average. Now, very very small sample sizes. Yeah, but those are good numbers. And Subban oh, never had that when he played in Boston. And I, I think nobody really gives Vegas credit for what who like what they're actually doing. Vegas is second place. Yeah. Like, and they've gone through four goaltenders this year. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Maxim Legas or Legasse. Legasse, whatever it is. Close enough. <laughs> um, he has terrible stats, but he got them five wins. Yeah. When their goalies were out. Well, he I think. He wasn't even supposed to be in the AHL, I don't think. He was ECHL, was he not? Um. Possibly, I don't. I don't remember where he started the season, but he. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure their their starter, or he might have been backup in the AHL. Yeah, I think he was starter. backup in the AHL. Let me just. I can pull that up, but you continue your thought. Even then, like he's pulled into action where he was backing up in the AHL to being the starter for twelve games in the NHL. Like for him to go five six. I think he's five, six, and one. Um, yeah. His goals against average is below four, which is good for an AHL backup. Yeah. Like his save percentage is terrible at eight sixty six, but he filled in fine. He he kept them in contention and allowed you know the un uh un no, no not underachieving but um the uh, injured the guys. Underdog. Just the underdog team of Vegas, because nobody really gave him a chance. Right? Yeah, and he 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 basically gave them a chance to you know show their skill and have a chance to win every night. Yeah, and he did he did a good job for a kid who's who no one had any hope of making the NHL. No, he's no. done well. He spent he was the he was in the A to start the year, and he played in four games. Uh, one two lost two. Okay. With a three twenty four goals against and a eight eighty eight save percentage. Last yeah, year he was with the Texas Stars in the AHL and played in thirty two games and was five and one. So he was or sorry eleven and eleven twelve and two. Okay. So. It, well, he he was he was the the trade. Um, for Mathot, was he not? Was he in that trade with Dallas? I it? think so. No, he was. He was just signed. He was just signed. Okay. Yeah, but the year before that, he was. He spent time in the ECHL. The two years prior to that, or the year before that too, he also spent time in the ECHL. So like, he's not supposed to be here. I don't think. I don't think anyone expected yeah. him to be here. But. He played okay. Like, I watched a couple of the games where he let in a, a few goals. Some of those goals were not his fault. No, absolutely. Like, he got hung out to dry. Mm -hmm. 
but the difference was Vegas was outscoring their opponents. As I said, last week, they are 10-2-0 at home. They're six, seven, and one away from I think it's T-Mobile, right? Is their arena? Uh, uh, as far as I know, yeah. Yeah, they're ten and two at home. That's it's crazy. Well, it just it just shows you what their record away from home is. <laughs> yeah, and I mean what, their record away from home is really not that bad. Six, seven, and one is not seven, terrible seven. for an expansion team. Everybody thought they were going to be the bottom feeders of the league. Yeah. Like, let's put it into perspective. Some other teams that struggle away from home. Okay? Arizona's 4-10-4. Well, Arizona struggles in general. Edmonton, 6-6-2. Yeah. Colorado's 4-7-1, which means they actually have a really good home record. Mm-hmm. Minnesota's 5-7-1. Dallas is 6-8-1. Uh, Ottawa's five five and one. Detroit's six seven and one. Boston's five five and two. Montreal's five seven and one. Another big name, Pittsburgh, six eight and two. Like teams struggle away from home. That's just a general thing. The good, the great teams oh, don't struggle away from home because they're just that good. Well, there's a reason why they call it home. You know, home advantage. Right? Yeah, home ice advantage and there are some teams that that doesn't exist like Philadelphia is 4 6 and 4 at home. Buffalo is a joke, so I'm not even going to read their stats at home. But Edmonton's 5 and 8 at home. Anaheim's 6 7 and 2 at home. Well, now, granted, Anaheim has struggled this year. Well, they have struggled cuz they they haven't had a center for the entire season essentially. Pretty much. No, they have had centers. They're just not the centers that they wanted. Sorry, high-quality center. <laughs> but Anaheim's three points out of a playoff spot right now. Well, when Derek Grant is your starting, is your number one center, Yeah, there's a little bit of a problem there. Yeah, so I think that trade this week to pick up uh, Henrique is huge. Uh, I, I think, honestly, I think it was a great trade for Anaheim. I think it was a great uh, trade Anaheim for both had... teams. Well, for sure. Um, obviously, I think you know they had an excess of defensemen in Anaheim. Yeah, and um, it's I don't know. It's a little bit of a yeah. surprise to me. I I was it kind of came out of left field to be honest. It, it was very random. Yeah, I didn't um, even know those two teams were talking. Yeah, neither did I. But to be honest, it makes sense for New Jersey too. No, yeah, it totally does. They, they pick up a right-handed shot defenseman to replace the one that they traded away in the Hall trade. Yep. And who, honestly, I think is better than the one they traded yeah, away I, in the Hall trade. I think the only reason they could actually do that trade is with the development of, you know, Jesper Brat, who came out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Um, Brian Gibbons, like, who's was like these players weren't even thought of at the beginning. They weren't of the supposed to be there. No, and Gibbons has eleven goals already this season. Yeah. It's crazy. Mild coming out of nowhere. Yeah, you're looking at a team of guys who are overachieving. Yeah. There's and no there's no way around it. They are overachieving, but they're doing it 
really, really well. Yeah, Will Butcher has been great. Eight, I think he's got 18 points in 26 games. Yeah, Nico uh, Heischer's got 18 points. You, yeah, well, you, you add in Batten into that defensive core. Yeah, and it makes Andy it makes Andy Green's life a little bit easier because now he doesn't have to be like you know the the poster boy, I guess. Yeah, so you got Butcher, Green, um, Batman, Severson, and then obviously you can kind of put in your your fifth one. You got Lovejoy, an option. Yeah, like they, their team is a solid team. They're young, and they might not no, they might absolutely. not be able to go deep this year, but. They're no, good. They, they are. They, I would put them right with the Leafs and Winnipeg Jets as upcoming teams that have chances in the next few years to actually really yeah. compete. I think I would put them behind the Leafs and the Jets because I think the Leafs and the Jets are a step ahead. But they're right there. I would put them in the same category, though. Like Yeah, up and coming. Obviously. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, When you have Corey Schneider as your goalie, who's, again, one of those great goalies who's not yet elite yeah great um you can't really go wrong i think you and me are very very stingent on our elite category it it's true it's it's one of those my elite category means that if if i want a one game winner takes all yeah who do i want in net yeah and there's only certain people that i would truly trust with a one game see here's my thought if there's 30 teams in the league Right? There's 30 starting goaltenders. There's 31 now. 31. You're right. There's 31 teams in the league. 31 starting goaltenders. Out of that many, what percentage would you need to be in to be considered elite? Like, if we're talking academics, 85 and above is pretty elite. Correct? If you have if you have an 85 yeah. average in, in school, you're, you're pretty elite when it comes to academics. No, so you absolutely. need to be in the top 15%? Yep. What's 15% of 31? God, you're asking me to do math right now. I know. I realize that as I said it. But let's let's pull out the calculators. That's like five people, basically. 4.65. Five people, right? So that would make our elite category five goalies. Which is why I asked top you at the beginning, how who would you name as your top five? Yeah, exactly. That's why I said it. That was my that was my thought. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I think you and me are pretty liberal with our elite. Like, we're we're sorry, we're pretty stingent with our elite category. I think a lot of people have more than five, a lot more than five considered to be elite. But I think it's fair to say that. Schneider's almost there, but he's just never gotten to that elite category. Yeah, but he's no, real good. And I think that you know, my list now, like I probably like Lundqvist, probably would fall out of my elite category. He's a great goaltender, but he's taken a step back from what he was. Yeah, I agree. Um, and to be honest, I think the next person to step in will probably be either Rene or Vasilevsky. Yeah. I think Rene, based on his body of work, I think Rene is just getting a little old. Yeah, that's my worry. He's still playing great. But you look at his body of work; he's right up there with any other goaltender. I know. 
I think the problem is he's played in the same era as some really, really good goaltenders in like Lundqvist and um, geez, when he started, I guess Wall was still there and Brodeur. Oh, then you got well, you got Kippersoff and Kipper, yeah. So he he was always considered that next level, but he's always been considered that next level, right? Yeah, and that and that that's the thing. Like we we are honestly like <laughs> we are lucky with how many great goaltenders there are. Now. Yeah, and that's why they have to make rules in order to like get scoring up because the goaltenders yeah. are just that much better than they were before. Agreed, <clears throat> and it's. We've been very lucky our entire lives. I mean, what, we're 22? We've been very, very lucky. But I think we're now seeing the change in that we're finding more elite players coming out than we're getting elite goaltenders. If you look in the, like, the uh, yeah. past five years, how many yep. truly like top-level goalies have come out of drafts and stuff as opposed to top level players like think about it we've got in the last two drafts well three drafts we've got Heischer and Nolan Patrick mm-hmm. we've got uh Matthews and Line we've got McDavid right. Eichel you can keep going back there's probably more like McKinnon he's had a great year yeah. and he's probably going to be one of those elite players it just no, I, absolutely. I think there's been a change Right. I, I I would completely agree to be honest. Um I just well, like what what's the last elite goaltender that was drafted? Price? Like a top well, pick I mean, at least. Murray. As a top pick? Oh oh you're saying like truly top pick. Uh uh yeah, I guess price. Flurry like, like before one, that. Like one of those people that was drafted to be an all-star and yeah. turned out to be an all-star. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it would be. Maybe, where was Vass drafted? Just curious. Uh, I think he was like 19. So, like, I'm, I'm talking, like, top 10. You're talking top 10. No doubt pick. Right? Yeah. Like, that. that's what Flurry was when he was drafted. Um who turned out to be pretty well. Like, turned out... Yeah, well, Fleury was drafted number one. He was 19th pick, 2012. Fleury? Um, no, Fleury was number one pick. Yeah, so. that's what it said. Yeah, no, I was saying Vasilevsky was 12th pick, 2012. Or 19th, 12, 2012. So... Um, but no, I think... The last one that was really drafted high that really turned out was Price. And that kind of just shows you how goalies have to develop. They're not just, you know, not just thrown in there. Yeah. Uh, Dallas took one from last year. Jake Odinger. Right. He was 26th pick. Uh, 2016, the highest pick was 48th. That was Carter Hart. Washington took Ilya Samsonov in the 2015 pick with the 22nd pick. Jeez. I'm going way back. We're going to 2012 now. See if we can find anybody in that category. Uh, Vasilevsky was 19th. 
So their price was two point five. So. Campbell, Jack Campbell, and from Dallas in twenty ten. How high do you think he got drafted? He was fifteenth, isn't he? Eleventh. Eleventh. Wow. Chet Pickard for Nashville was two thousand eight with the eighteenth pick. Jeez, we're still going back. Yeah, there really hasn't been. Uh, Bernier was drafted 11th by the uh, Kings in 2006. Carey Price was 5th in 2005. Yeah, and then the next one, or the year one after, previous to that was... Al Montoya. Al Montoya. 6th in 2004. He was 6th. Him and Price are both in Montreal. Yeah. And then the year before that was Fleury, who, who went right. first. Yo, can we take yeah. in, though, in that the draft that Al Montoya got taken? Dubnik was 14th overall. Corey Schneider was 26th overall. These are just goalies, by the way. Uh, Anton Kudobin went 206th. Pekka Rene went 258th. Yeah. That was the same year. That was a fantastic draft for goalies, apparently. And you know who else got taken? The Toronto Maple Leafs had a goalie pick. Who was it? 90th overall, third round. In what year? 2004. Um, it's Justin's favorite bad pick. Pogi? Yep. Oh, was that the Rask Pogi year? Uh, no, just Pogi. Okay, then Rask. Rask was taken the next year. Yeah. He was fifteenth overall. Oh, it was. I still, I still remember the quote that my dad gave. Who would you rather have a Canadian goaltender who makes 17 saves and gets the win? Yeah. Or a Finnish goaltender who makes 45 saves, gives up one goal, loses one nothing, and gets the loss. Yep. No, I know. He's told me that one many times. But can you just take in that we took Pogi six five rounds earlier than Pekarene? Yeah. Um how were the Leafs thinking? Rather, I'd rather Kudobin than Pogi, but um, I know. But to be honest, Pogi was one of those goaltenders that he had all the skill. He was supposed to be couldn't, good. Couldn't translate it. Yeah, he the was supposed to. The amount of goaltenders that just cannot translate their skills to the NHL is amazing. Also, that Flurry draft, 2003, the top three goalies still in the league. Flurry was first, Crawford was second, and Jimmy Howard went third out of goaltenders. But Crawford was the 52nd pick. Jimmy Howard was the 64th pick. It just goes to show sometimes you just have to really rely on your scouts to pick out a diamond in the rough. And then, ready for this, two of the last three goaltenders picked that year, Yaroslav Halak went 270th to Calgary. 
And Brian Elliott was the very last goaltender selected in the 2003 draft at 289th overall by the Detroit Red Wings. The things you know. Yeah, interesting. All right, let's move on. I think we've beaten this goaltender stuff to death. All right. NFL. I'll I'll give you the pick. Do you want to do standings and talk about some surprises in there, or do you want to talk the unnecessary and major injuries we saw over the weekend? Well, actually, we can you can start with the the big hits because there was like breaking news from the NFL that uh, Juju Smith Schuster is that his name? Yeah, he just got suspended one game for his yep. hit. I'm okay so, with that. Yeah, and that's um, that's interesting. And then, dude, you hear the interview that when they were interviewing after the game? No, I didn't see it. Um, well, he was apologizing for like his hit and everything. Yeah, and uh, in the background there was Antonio Brown saying uh, karma. Just kept saying karma. Yeah. So. Which. Uh, Okay, I get that they were upset. I understand that they were upset. But to be fair, their player was trying to tackle one of the Cincinnati players. That doesn't mean what happened to Shazier is anything less. What I saw scared me to death. Because that was a back injury. He's not saying karma. He's not saying karma about that. What was he saying karma about, though? Karma, but when Burfick took out Brown in the playoffs two years ago. Yeah, but that's still... That, the guy just got knocked out. You can't say stuff like that. No, absolutely. It's it's definitely, you know, uncalled for, for sure. Yeah. And uh, also, George Ioka, or Iloka, from Cincinnati also got a one-game ban- a suspension for his hit to the head of Antonio Brown at the end of the game, the last touchdown. Or Brown's last touchdown, where he got managed to hold on to the ball but got absolutely destroyed. Um, yeah, to be honest, I didn't see that one. I kind of stopped watching. The, uh, the Shazier kind of shook me for that, and I yeah. kind of turned off the game. <laughs> yeah, I was. It was tough, and I I was very disappointed in what the uh, what the broadcaster said after the Schuster hit, because he said, "Well, we just got to keep playing the game." Are you kidding well, I, me? I, I think, I think when it comes to that, honestly, that that's the truth. I understand um, that, but no, like it, it's a game. If we have to, we end the game. You don't, oh, you don't no, say I, stuff like that as it happens. Maybe after we can talk about. Oh well, you got to just keep playing the game. The players have to get back into the mindset. I get that. While they are literally strapping the guy to a board, you don't mm-hmm. say that. No, absolutely. Um... Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one of those things where it, it it's people's lives rather than the yeah. game. You you can't put the game over the lives of people. No. Like Shazier has to worry about the future of himself. Yeah, he's than just he needs to just put football behind him right now. Well, like based on what I've heard so far, he should be fine. And saying it's very similar to the Greg Maddox, yeah, uh, injury. Yeah, I saw that too. Came back. I think he came back the next game. Actually, he missed a game and then yeah, uh, came back. So honestly, we'll have to see what it comes to. Um, obviously, uh, 
uh, football is a little bit more uh, a rigorous sport on your body than baseball would be. Of course. Uh, but so we'll have to see how he can respond to that. Yeah. Um, but no, I, to, to hear that it's good, um, positive signs coming out of the, uh, the hospital is definitely yeah reassuring for sure. For sure. And you know what? I think that's, that's what we need to take away as a whole is that they are doing okay. Perfect. It's a head injury. It's a concussion. You never know how long those are going to take to get back in. So he could be out for a while, but yep. for um, Shazier, it's good to hear that he's moving. Right? That that was my biggest concern. Anything, anytime you have a back contusion, you're looking at some very, very dangerous grounds. So the fact that he is moving, the fact that he has movement in his extremities, that's huge. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a positive sign, that's for sure. Yeah. So I know that was the big game. There's a couple other big hits that the league did look at. I just hope that those hits to the head need to get taken out of the game. I understand yeah. I understand it's a fast paced game. I understand it happens. But why was Smith Schuster not ejected? Why was he allowed to continue playing? Because, honestly, it didn't look like that dirty of a hit because it was clean, kept his shoulder down, that kind of stuff. The only thing is that Burfecht's head was turned. That's the only reason as to why it he got suspended. That's the only reason. But that's, but that's still technically an illegal hit, isn't it? You're hitting a defensive no, it, player up high. Now, he wasn't is, aiming for the head, but he still hit him up high. It's also a part of, you know, People need to understand that football is a game that is is fast paced. Yes. Uh, it's split second decisions. Um, it's very similar to hockey with hit from behind. Yeah. People know it's bad, but people it's a fast paced game, and in the the split instinct, you, you hit that person, and you're like, "Oh, what did I just do?" No, I I, I understand that. I I really do. I think I'm just having an issue with. The fact that not only did he hit him high when he wasn't was nowhere near being able to defend himself against that hit. Mm-hmm. But then he has the audacity to stand over him like he just knocked out the world champion in boxing. Yeah. Where that the in a boxing match the guy would have been ready to handle a hit. Right? Right. No, that's where I have issues and that's where I just like I you gotta you gotta know what just happened. You can't, uh, you can't yeah, and I, I think I think that's definitely that part isn't needed for sure. Yeah, but that's what uh, I mean. Like he, I think because of that, isn't that taunting? And isn't taunting supposed to be a, an ejectable offense in the fo- in football? Uh, yeah, I just I think at that point, uh, it could have been personal opinion from the refs based on perfect past. Yeah. Uh, who knows? They, they that could have led for something for sure. Yeah. Um, it, it, there's many reasons and many opinions and uh, everything like that that's in a game that you can't really regulate. No, I know. I just my opinion was I thought he should have been tossed from the game, but my opinion means nothing as we've they learned. They have to set an example of somebody. Yeah, they have to set an example of 
point in order to set the bar and say enough's enough. Yeah. One game suspension isn't enough. You're gone for game. You're gone for eight. You're gone for the rest of the year. Yeah. And here's the thing. I don't think Schuster's hit deserved to get more than one game. No, absolutely not. I, I don't think it did. I don't think well, it was that bad of a hit. People are all up in arms right now. In fact, I think the Iloka hit no, on Brown was worse. Yeah. No, absolutely. And to be honest, like I'm a Patriots fan, diehard, but Gronk's hit was worth worse than that. He got one game too. Yeah, that that was just an unnecessarily stupid play by Gronk. Oh no, it was it was terrible, and that and that's why. I, I honestly thought he should have got two or three games. Obviously, yeah. I don't want that as a, I don't want that as a Patriots fan by any means. Dude, it doesn't even matter. You guys are in, so. Well, no, because the one thing is he misses a game against Miami next week. Yeah. But he's back for the Pittsburgh game, so. I know, but I'm um, saying you guys are pretty much in the playoffs. It really doesn't matter at this point. You're the Patriots. He could miss two games and they wouldn't even notice. It's also because. Buffalo has fall, fell like he's they've fallen off the face of the earth. So, well, I mean, when you decide to start the rookie over the guy who has less interceptions than touchdowns over the past three years, you kind of think you're going crazy. To be honest, I never thought Tyrod Taylor would be a great quarterback. But, no, uh, Peterman is not any better of a quarterback. Like, no, you, and you can't I, say I he's better of a quarterback. So. He's trying to set an example. He's trying to say, this is my team. You know, if you have a problem with the way I'm running it, you can take a seat and we'll start somebody else. Yeah, I just but don't get it, though. No, if you're trying to give, you know, your team the best opportunity to win, yeah, you, you can't start a rookie quarterback who has had zero experience with anything. No, and it's the same thing. Thank God Ben McAdoo got fired because what he did over the weekend was a joke. Um, and I'm not saying that he should have gotten fired because I'm not. I don't wish that on anybody. But you don't bench Eli Manning for Geno Smith. You start Eli and let Geno play most of the game. That's not how you do it. I disagree there. Why? Um, I don't think Eli Manning has a future in New York. I don't either. Um, so I think they could have handled, um, the benching of him, like way better. Absolutely. Yeah. I think also it's, it's an opportunity for New York to try out new quarterbacks as well. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't try out new quarterbacks, but Eli has the longest starting streak in the NFL right now. Because the Giants haven't haven't had anybody else they needed to go to. I'm I'm not saying that, but he's also been the consummate professional through all the ups and the downs. So why don't you just let him start the rest of the games of the season, and after a couple series, if if they haven't done anything, you put Geno Smith in or you put whoever you want in and let them play the rest of the game. But you give him the starts. He's still your starting quarterback, technically. Because to be honest, as you. As Eli Manning, I would almost hate that more. Because yes, you have a record of starts and all that stuff, but yeah. that doesn't that doesn't mean anything if you're getting taken out in the first quarter of the game. Yeah, or you do half and half. Well, that's the thing is it's if you truly want to see how a quarterback develops and 
who you have on your roster for the future, you have to start them. That's just that's that's how it is. You I have to see how they can, you know, face uh, adversity and then come back from it. You know, I know they just should have handled it way better. No, absolutely. The benching was handled terribly. They should have handled it differently, but I don't disagree with them benching him. Fair. Okay. They're two and ten. They need some sort of spark. Yeah. Why don't we look at the standings quickly? Yep, absolutely. Did you know that there's four teams sitting at ten and two? I I did because my team is one of them. Well, yeah, I know your team's one of them, but who would have thought at the beginning of the year that the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings would be sitting at ten and two? Uh, Minnesota, I could have seen. Um, not necessarily ten and two. That's what I mean. Ten uh, and two, though. I would, I would have thought they were more nine and three type of nine and three, team. eight and four right now. That's where I saw them. Yeah. Yeah, because their defense is outstanding. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what it is. I I never that you know Case Keenum was gonna be able to carry that team, but he is he is. Shutting up his doubters. Yeah, he's he played really somebody. well, and he's he's actually become somebody that they have to now game plan for, because he's like just taking it by storm. Yeah, and, it, it's uh, amazing to see how he's progressed. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, yeah, he was supposed to be their future, and now he's going to be basically stuck as their backup for the next little while yeah until keenum starts to struggle if he does start to struggle see i'm a packer fan so this this vikings being in first is hurting but we also know the packers after Rodgers went down it was gonna be an uphill battle Rodgers is back though coming back he's back we're very excited go green within two games of a wild card yeah that's the thing we're not out of the playoffs yet which is very, very surprising. Hey, I'm okay with it, all right? Don't question. Well, I, I'm not um, Everybody thought Brad Hundley was going to struggle. We knew he was going to struggle, and he did, but he did better than I thought he was going to, actually. So, um, Looking down in the rest of the NFC, NFC divisions, Saints, 9-3. and three. Pa- Panthers are right on their heels at 8-4. and four. You look out at West, the Los Angeles Rams, 9-3, and three, with Seattle 8-4 and four right behind them. Those yeah, divisions the, could be fun. The development of Jared Goff this year has been amazing to watch. One of the storylines uh, of the year. Oh, absolutely. Last, like, you know, after last year, everybody was saying, oh, Goff was a bust, you know. Well, I don't, th- I don't know if they were necessarily saying he was a bust, but he was just not, they were saying he wasn't going to get to that top. No, but they, they, they were saying he's essentially a bust based on Carson Wentz last year. Yeah. And they were saying, why would you take this guy first overall and leave Carson Wentz? Yeah, okay, fine. In that sense, yeah, they were saying he was a bust. But And as of now, like, either one of those guys, you could toss a coin. And uh, I, I would say... I don't know I about that. Say, I think Wentz is still having the better year, but I think he's also on a better team. Philadelphia has a better team. That's what I said. Um no, but that's what I mean. So, like, Philadelphia has a better team, but Goff is, you know, using who he can work with. Yeah. Um, but if you look at you look at the development, Wentz was a step above. Yep. And I think 
I think Goff has taken that step up, and he's right. He's probably just below Wentz, but he's still up there. Yeah. And that Rams defense is doing great again. Um, obviously, rushing yards, they're kind of struggling, but their offense is killing it. So Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty cool to see the uh, progression of some of these players. Yeah, and, and you know, you look at the um, – comeback story of Sammy Watkins yeah thrown out of Buffalo and now he's doing pretty well in LA so yeah he's he's done pretty well looking over quick quick run through the AFC Patriots own the east Pittsburgh owns the north not even going to touch those two but the other two divisions actually look like pretty interesting battles coming down to the end in the uh, south you got Tennessee and Jacksonville both Tied with an eight and four record, Tennessee yep. currently sits above because they have a four and one record within the division. Jacksonville's going to take it. You think Jacksonville takes it? I think they ha- they have a very very good team, probably the best defense in the league, I, possibly the, the best defense Mariota, in the league. The Mar- the way Mariota has regressed this year, yeah, I can't see them beating out Jacksonville. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Blake Bortles is much better. I was gonna say, hold on, what? <laughs> but I, I think the I think the difference is the defenses. If it came down to throwing, I'm gonna trust Blake Bortles more than I would Mariota. Fair, but I also think and I, I think, also think this comes down to the defenses, and the Jaguars have possibly, in my opinion, at least, the best defense in the league. Yeah, they have the fewest points against all year. By a significant margin. Yeah. It's all, I think it's... Uh, they have 178 points against. The next closest team is 204. So you're looking at almost a 26 points. Yeah, 26-point swing. Well, yeah. like I have the stats here. They're, they're first in total yards. First in passing yards. Which they're only allowing 167 passing yards a game. Yeah. But they're terrible against the run, which is why... Which is surprising almost, because they have a decent line. And well, that's why they picked up Marcel Darius from Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. Marcel Darius sticks his butt in the middle of that line <laughs> and stops the run. That's all he's good. That's all he's used for. Yeah. They don't care. They don't care about him sacks. No, they don't. They, they, want, they want him to be there to just say, hey, hi, you're not running on us. That's what Campbell's there for. And that's why he has 12 and a half sacks. <laughs> yeah. So. So they, I, I think their team as a whole is looking great. And I think if they can get a better quarterback, Jacksonville be, will be one of the teams that we're looking at in the future. Being, okay. Now we got to draft smart and we got to copy what they're doing. Yeah. And they, they really have built through the draft. So that's huge. The last division. Yeah. The good old AFC West, or as I like to call it, the division no one wants to talk about. There are four teams at or below 500. Not a single team is above 500. How? They're terrible. (laughs) How? Like, no, it's not allowed. We were coming into the season looking at... Oakland as the powerhouse of the AFC. Yeah. 
they suck. Like we were look, we were looking at them being okay. They got Derek Carr, all right. You know they got Amari Cooper. They got Crabtree, right? They they have all these great players. Marshawn Lynch. So, Everyone thought he was going to explode. Well, then like they got you know they got Mac. They picked up Bowman halfway through the year. Yeah, right? I everybody thought they were they were going to be great. And they have and the second worst defense in their own division. Yeah, they <laughs> they fell off the face of the earth. If I told you at the beginning of the year that the Oakland Raiders would be tied with the Los Angeles Chargers, you would have laughed me and smacked me across the room. Yeah. It's it's baffling. And then at the beginning of the year, we all thought the Chiefs were going to go off because didn't they win, like, in their last five, they're one and four. I was going to say, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that – Kansas City was going to start five and zero, and then end up six and six. You would have also smacked uh, me across the room. Well, I, I would have been like, "You're an idiot." But you would have asked me what I was on. Well, and like the way that they played against the Patriots in Week One, spanked them. They looked real good. Like, they looked outstanding. But I, I, don't I don't know. get it. I don't understand. Why this division is so bad. They have some really, really good players. And I'm not even trying to take away from the Los Angeles Chargers because they have some good players. Phillip Rivers is a very, very good quarterback. And he is able to carry that team a lot farther than they probably should be. Yeah. But they're not very good. The Denver Broncos this year are not very good. But we expected that. Their defense is good. But their offense is absolutely terrible. They have no quarterback. Their defense has given up 315 points. Yeah, well, I guess they're not—they're not what they used to be, but no. they're not terrible. No, but like I—I uh, I just don't get it. Well, like you look at Kansas City, Alex Smith threw for 366 yards last week. I know four touchdowns. I know, but they also gave up 330 yards against Josh McCown. I know. Like. I just don't get it. I really don't. Neither team should be... I don't think the Chiefs or the Raiders should be where they are in the standings. But they've earned it this year. They have both so, earned 6-6 six and six records. So who who takes it then in that division? Oh, God, don't ask me that. I don't, I don't even care. Whoever yeah. takes it's going to get their butt handed to them. No, absolutely. Well, whoever takes it is going to end up facing the wild card, and I'm pretty sure I'd rather the wild card. No, the whoever takes it, oh yeah, they will face a wild, a wild card. And if, uh, if that wild card, ready for this? If it, if it ended right now, that top wild card would be Jacksonville. Yeah. Who we just praised. So, yeah. good luck. Well, even, even then, like, whoever ends up third is going to end up facing, you know, Right now it's Baltimore, but that could end up being the Chargers if they can sneak into the wild card. And if you end up third or the first wild card and you're facing Kansas City, L.A., Oakland, yeah, I would not be worried whatsoever about that. Yeah. Team. Can we take in, though, that technically the Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Texans, and every team but the Broncos in the AFC West could still technically get a playoff spot. 
Well, technically, the Broncos and the Colts at three and nine can still get in. Okay, but I'm I'm eliminating them. I know they're not mathematically eliminated, but I'm eliminating them. There's only four games left. They would need to win every single one in Baltimore, and all these other teams would need to lose. And I think one of these other teams wins a game, so it I think it's a moot point. But Buffalo six and six, Cincy, Miami, New York, all five and seven. Honestly, the best team that has the opportunity is the Bills. And that's sad because they are bad. They got spanked this week. They are bad. Like, they have two games against Miami, one against Indianapolis, and then one against the Patriots. So, so in I'm going to say that Patriots game is going to be a little bit of a wash. Well, that's what I mean. In in a good scenario, they end up three in one of those games. So you said, oh, sorry, who do they play? You said they play Indy? Indy and Miami twice. Miami twice. So, yeah. in the Buffalo scenario, they'd end up three and one. That's a very possible thing, too. That's the sad thing. Absolutely. And that would put them at nine and seven. Yes. You would think that would get them in. Yes. Because, well, actually, to be honest, Baltimore has the best option right now. Who who does Baltimore play in their next four? They play Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Indianapolis, and Cincinnati. Okay, but the Pittsburgh and the Cincy games are not washes. Those are those are almost. I think the Pittsburgh game they lose. Well, that that's that's I had I have them going three and one. I have I don't. them beating Cincinnati, beating Indianapolis, and then who was the other team? Cleveland. I don't. It, Cleveland. Cleveland's a win. Which, Whatever. If they if they lose to Cleveland and ruin their season, I'd be more worried be about the, the Cincy game. I've ever seen in my life. I'd be more worried about the Cincy game. I I agree. Um, I think honestly, yeah, Oakland's got no chance. Um. <laughs> Oakland's facing Dallas, Philadelphia, and then Kansas City and the Chargers. So they can win their two division games. They could they still win the division. Winning division, which is very sad to say. Boy. Um, but if they have to face Philly and Dallas, yeah. And would Zeke be back for that game? I don't know when he comes back. To be honest. I don't know, but even then, like. They have a long way to go, and it's looking like basically the AFC and the NFC, I think, are basically set with their championship games, it looks like, at least, based off now. You have Pittsburgh, New England, AFC, which looks a lot more clear than the NFC. Yeah, I was going to say, the NFC, depending on which teams face off in the, uh, I guess, the divisional rounds? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I would take L.A. over uh, Minnesota. I I would just just based off matchup. I think I think L.A. the Rams might be a better matchup head to head against Minnesota as opposed to the Saints. I think the Saints. I I think the I think Minnesota would beat the Saints. But you're looking at the number two defense in Minnesota. Yes, you know the number. 10 plus 
one in in LA. And I think But you're also looking at the number 1 offense in LA. Yeah, so it's number 1 offense versus number 2 defense. Yeah. But I would I would also take Minnesota's offense over LA's defense. Yeah. So it's really a matter of if Case Keenan once comes to the playoffs, if he can deliver. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, so. But yeah, I I don't think I can argue with you that the AFC conference final looks all but set. See, we, we like guys, but you know, it's playoffs. Anything can happen. Yeah, one game takes all. It's so. a one game. It's not a series. It's one game. Not anything can happen. Exactly. So I think we'll wrap it up there, bud. Uh, good talks today. We went through a lot of topics really, really fast. We did. So that'll do it from us here. We want to thank Kyle Vardy once again for joining us all the way from Ireland. We will see you soon, right? I think it's a week and a half now. You get to come back and yep. join us live in studio, hopefully. I'll be back on the 16th. So Yeah, hopefully join us live in studio for a episode. Um, but thank you again, my friend. No, no, thanks for having me. And for, well, I guess just myself here today, we want to thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>